0: What do you do everyone and welcome to the Nasa Weekly Update for the week commencing Monday the 27th of September 2021. It's Gary here again and what a difference a week makes, at least in terms of the results that we enjoyed last week. Two games and two competitions, two clean sheets, still clear at the top of the Scottish Premiership table and actually with an extended lead over our supposed biggest rivals with a semi final to Hibbs now to look forward to in the League Cup in November as well. That's a pretty good week overall. As I think everyone recognises, I know I've talked about this for a couple of weeks now, you know, we're, we're definitely not at the top of our game in, in terms of performances and results, actually, in comparison to, to last year. <clears throat> and who knows when we're actually going to get back to the heady heights of the 55 season, if at all. But in terms of effort, invention and all-round passion for the jersey i reckon there is still some way to go from this team and i was saying to a few folks after yesterday's games ended uh, that that we are six points ahead of them after seven games having already ourselves suffered a loss and a draw and we've scored five fewer goals than they have as well so you know see what i mean about the additional gears and spark as soon as that hits we're, we're going to be out of sight but Uh, What I don't want to make this about is us and them, it's not about that. That would be disrespectful to Hibs in second place, Hearts in third place, Motherwell in fourth place and Dundee United in fifth place in the table. So we must ensure we stay ahead of our closest challengers as the season continues and not worry too much about the other supposed challengers who are actually mid-table. Right now. So, on to those very games. The first one being, of course, the 2-0 home win in the League Cup quarter final last Wednesday against Livingston. Who, you will remember, were hot on the heels of a defeat of the EastEnders uh, just the weekend before. Now, for anyone who knows me, or for anyone who regularly listens to this podcast, you'll know that I'm nowhere near a student of our beautiful game. Nor do I know the science behind football tactics or anything like that. I'm just a fan who has been watching... At football and Rangers for about 35 years or so and and when I comment on the games it's more from a casual observationary feel for how we are doing or how we've done and and of course picking out the main highlights of of all the things that we've all saw at the same time and putting my own wee spin on it so so here goes for for the Livingston game the first half was just flat and completely bereft of any real spark or sparkle at all for us as an entire unit, anything we tried just didn't work and there was very little going on that gave the fans anything to get excited about, lots to get vocal about in terms of us getting frustrated and and probably a wee bit stressed but just another lacklustre half that's a bit of a head scratcher and and we know that the team do this and and I still can't quite picture or, or figure out why. Then we substitute take off right and bring on Hadji for the second half and and it's an immediate change for the positive um, This is what we get from that substitution we basically take the game by the scruff of the neck from kick off of the second half and and Hadji plays a final perfect pra- pass across the box for Roof to build in the first goal and, and give us the lead within I think it was two to three minutes of the restart and now Ibrooks has a lift and all his fans overseas have a lift as well of course and I thought overall the second half was just excellent and and thanks to some um, inspired goalkeeping from the Livy keeper, Alfie got the chance to smash home the second and, and wrap up the tie in the 63rd minute. At the time, I have to admit, I was wondering why Alfie didn't square it to uh, now inform John Lundström for the tap-in. But uh, Alfie can absolutely rifle for the ball and did just that and put it past the goalie. So when you look at the overall stats of the game... John McLaughlin and our goal didn't have a single save to make, and we dominated possession and chances. So, on paper, at least, it's what could be described as a routine victory for us. It just didn't feel like it at the time. But with the benefit of hindsight, it was actually just that. And building on the first hour or so from the Motherwell game the week before, we are starting to have clear periods of dominance in games again, which is a progressive step towards where we want to be, which is, of course, Full game dominance and that's the age old problem Is putting it all together for a full game And really putting teams to the sword However in this particular game we did what we had to do And we, we go and we get another visit to Hamden To see if we can set up a final appearance in December against St Johnson So I'm looking forward to seeing how that semi-final goes for us against Hibbs. The second game was the 1-0 victory at Den's Park in what I thought was just an awful game to watch. I honestly, I couldn't watch that every single week. It was just a hundred miles an hour of low quality hurrying and harrying by Dundee to try to hassle us into a mistake that they could capitalize on. And 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 for some bizarre reason, Dundee decided to start that scumbag that is Lee Griffiths, and he ran about the pitch like a five-year-old boy, like you know, just in absolute desperation to have. Um everyone just forget about Drunk Gate or, or was it Drugs Gate or was it Fat Gate or Pedophile Gate? I'm I'm not hundred percent sure. Now, oh no. On this occasion it was FlareGate that he was trying to get people to forget about, yeah. You know, my my apologies, it's really hard to keep track with that clown. But we for whatever reason we decided to do our best to gift them a goal by some absolute shocking shutdowns and defending at times and then he shuffles himself off after about half an hour or so and Good riddance to one of the most disgusting representatives of Scottish football that I can remember. And and after that, we scored a, a brilliant goal, which turned out to be... <clears throat> not after that, sorry. During that, we scored a brilliant goal, which turned out to be the winner. And and around about 16 minutes after a superb move, which culminated in a great through ball from Alfie to Joe were able to smash at home. A really, really well-worked goal and, and one that both the manager and John Lundstrom didn't seem so surprised about afterwards during their interviews, effectively saying that's the sort of stuff we do every day in training that's what we that's what we train for which is obviously great to hear that it's coming to fruition on the field at the same time so that's the good stuff the not so good stuff is the fact that our defence had another 2018 to 2019 season day with the mistakes and and a real lackadaisical effort it appears to be a real lackadaisical effort and some utterly ridiculous decision making all culminating in, in some really heart pounding WTF moments throughout the game I defended Tav and his contribution to the club and the team on last week's pod but this week I have no hesitation saying that he was just awful so was Goldson actually most of the defence uh, where really a route 1 ball comes comes right along, you know, down the, the, I guess, kind of the the left-hand, the Dundee left-hand side, Goldson doesn't make anything resembling a decision and their player gets in front of him, nudges it past McLaughlin and then when it seems easier to just step over and tap it in, he decides to get greedy and he wants the penalty, he wants the red card and he wants the goal and ultimately he ends up getting neither of those things because the rules are it wasn't a penalty and and by the way, I'm not even convinced there was any contact at all for the penalty, I haven't, seen one angle yet that's proved that there was contact anyway once a ranger always a ranger and jason cummings steps up to take the penalty bashes it right down the middle and it was saved by mclaughlin's legs who then got up and and i thought initially (laughs) he'd punched the ball into the net but he basically just punched the ball in the air to himself and and something that was obviously practiced as well as the as the goal move as well well let's just say that anyway Something like that, but hell mend the Dundee attacker for trying to play the system and get all these benefits from the move when he could have just he could have just taken it. I thought overall Calvin Bassey uh, did what he does and just goes full bore for the whole game and Aribo and a handful of others drifted in and out of the game and um but a very very impressive uh, John Lundstrom continued to stamp himself on our team by being superb. I thought for the whole game, admittedly. I just didn't get him in the in the beginning of his tenure with us. Even taking into account his match, his lack of match fitness, his newness to the Scottish game, his settling in period, and the like, all the things that these guys have to put up with, I just thought he was awful. I didn't I didn't see what benefit he was going to provide to the team, and I'm glad to get proved wrong game by game uh, by the fella. And and the words of Steven Gerrard last week, or the week before, I can't remember exactly when he said it, but a version of trust me on this guy it was more than enough for me to take a step towards a positive with him which coincided with a real upturn in his form so and then get this one I listened to his poach, ma- his, his, poach his post-match interview on Saturday and was absolutely rocked to my core to learn that he's a scouser like a, like a real scouser I had assumed that he was some sort of ...Nordic nationality... ...primarily just because of his last name... <laughs> and, ...and I shared this thought... ...on the NASA Communications WhatsApp group afterwards... ...and apparently I'm the only Rangers fan... ...in the world that didn't know that he was a scouser so it shows you how much attention I play to our new signings and the football world in general. Wow Gary. Uh, I don't know that it makes any material, material difference to me personally now knowing that he's from closer to the home than I originally thought but it's a definite lesson learned for me to pay a wee bit more attention to our new signings and their background going forward. This week for our games we are back in Europa League action on Thursday away to Sparta Prague with at twelve forty-five PM Eastern Standard Time kickoff. That's a five forty-five PM UK time kickoff. And this is a absolute mustn't lose game for us. As as we look to recover from um, our 2 0 home defeat in the group opener against Lyon. Interestingly, there will be no fans allowed in the stadium due to my understanding is that a ban being handed down by UEFA 4 And this will shock you to your core, racist chanting at a previous game. It must be a Prague thing, I guess. But the loophole that they've managed to navigate has, has been that kids are allowed in, and I believe the kids have to be accompanied by an adult. So the game has to be behind closed doors, apart from the people who are allowed in. So work that one out. I know I can't. But anyway, as I said, it's a must not lose game for us and a victory would be even better so we'll see how it goes we'll see if the team can start to step it up and and really take this European adventure by the scruff of the neck and give us something to really shout about and look forward to Our second game is a top of the table clash at home to Hibs on Sunday as we will look to put more distance between us and the rest of the pack as our quest for 56 marches on That one is a a 10am Eastern Standard Time kickoff. that's a 3pm regular UK time kickoff. So and, and not to look too too far ahead, but we play at home to hearts the weekend following the international break. So after these break after these games this weekend coming, there's an international break again and we play at home to hearts in the weekend following the international break. So that's us playing the second and third in the league in successive domestic weekends and both at home. And those are the games that we better be up for, you know, to make sure that we're in good shape on the other side of them and create, as I say, a wee bit more distance as well. So some big games coming up for the team over the next wee while, both domestically and in Europe. And really looking forward to both of them. On to RTV for this week. We seem to have an error-free week this past week in terms of rtv performance which is a good thing i didn't receive any um, feedback uh, either collectively on the the various forums that we have for people to post on or directly from any club saying that they had experienced any challenges so so that's a good thing Uh, for the rtv survey we we put a bit of a guilt note out to the nasa communications whatsapp list that i mentioned earlier which resulted in one more survey being complete we still have nine to go and actually while i'm on here i'm going to double check in case there's been one more since then no just the one more so we have nine to go but are only uh four weeks after the deadline so that's kind of par for the course with some of our member clubs but what we've done in previous years is made multiple and recordable attempts to establish contact and engage in meaningful dialogue with the clubs and then we just stop wasting our time and the clubs in question are put on the same game fee structure as they were in previous seasons that's not what we want to do and I truly don't understand why clubs um wouldn't want their say in their their own future, but that's a it's a personal choice for them, I suppose. And once we are in good shape with the picture for the season, as I've mentioned before, we can then enter into negotiation discussions with RTV. And I am really looking forward to getting this one behind us and just getting on with the remainder of the work that we need to do for the rest of this season. This one has dragged on a wee bit longer than we would have hoped. For shout outs for this week, I wanted to wish a very happy birthday to the Bayou City Loyal's Beth Reed, who assures me that, that she listens to these podcasts, but I'm not 100% sure. So I don't even know that I'm going to put this in the blurb for this week's pod and see if she gets the message, but happy birthday. To you, Beth, and to our own very own convention DJ for NASA 2022, DJ Joe Cully. Happy birthday to you as well, Joe, and I hope you have a wonderful day. And the remainder of the shout outs is the events planned for the member clubs that I've been talking about this last wee while. Firstly, Toronto Number One have their Two for the Show show on November the 6th at 7 pm. Tickets $15 per person. If you need any information about that, please reach out to Norma Maxwell or go to the Toronto Number One. Uh, Facebook page and you'll get the information you need and secondly Bramalee have their Queen Do organised for Saturday the 16th of October and the cost is $25 for tickets for those as well and I believe that Bramley are still doing the 50-50 draw I haven't heard that it's closed so if you want any if you want in on the action the winner gets $700 and the second and third prizes are $150 you can email your funds over to BramaleeRangers55 at gmail.com and the tickets are $20 each. And, of course, you can get tickets at the at the club venue as well. For our convention update for this week, one main thing I neglected to mention last week was that as of this coming November, the United States of America are relaxing their previous vice-like grip on travel restrictions for folks traveling from the UK and mainland Europe meaning that all of our guests from UK and from the UK and Europe will be able to get over to enjoy it with us in Las Vegas with semi-minimum fuss with the usual requirements of of proof of vaccination and the like required which I imagine a lot of people are getting used to by now this is brilliant news because i have to admit that when i was in vegas a few weeks back i did have one of those just one of these wee i call them oh no moments where i thought to myself man oh man it's going to be march before we know it and if things haven't materially normalized to what the new normal is going to be between now and then it's going to be a whole new world of challenges when people start to realize that they maybe can't actually get there and and then all the, the hassle and organization and admin that would go with that but thankfully That has been removed as of a wee while from now and we'll get to enjoy our planning for this event properly now with that big major barrier removed. So great news and I should have mentioned that last week because it was made official before the pod, I just forgot. Secondly, I've had a couple of people reach out to me about them having purchased tickets for NASA 2022 and now no longer are able to attend for one reason or another and ultimately requesting a refund on the ticket. Our strategy on that is is under the guise of all sales are final to help us avoid processing cancellations for anyone as I know from direct experience that there's a frenzy of horse trading of tickets that happens, especially in the last few months prior to, to the event, and that would simply just be an administration nightmare for NASA, and we are simply not staffed for that. We don't have the manpower to help support and facilitate and, and, and administer that. Uh, the, there are hundreds of people who missed out on the main body of tickets when, when they went on sale originally, so... We'll be steering everyone who's looking to to try and, and cancel the tickets now to the soon-to-be-created, dedicated convention Facebook page uh, to be able to post the tickets for sale and get them moving that way. I will... Of course, reply to anyone who contacts me directly and let them know the process. And hopefully, that will percolate out to the masses, so that folks will know what to do in the future once we have the Facebook page created. And that Facebook page, we started talking about it in earnest yesterday as a convention committee. So we're hoping to to have that up and running this week, sometime you know, in the next couple of days, and we'll make it look nice. And we'll we'll use that as our main hub for posting information that that needs to be posted for the for the convention. Uh, on the travel front, we did discuss last week as an executive after the meeting with Rosie from the Holiday and Flight Centre and I think we're good to finally get going on something formal with the, the Holiday and Flight center And I'm hopeful we'll have concrete information on the Watson House in, in a day or so from now and, and there will be other benefits that we've managed to obtain through this this partnership for NARSA members and friends of NARSA as well. So it's exciting to see us get this one over the line and I can't wait to see how it all grows. We just have to get a wee bit of admin done in in the back end, as they say, and then we'll get going on that. So we, we got there eventually, which is which is great news and we'll see, as I say, where it goes from here. I was hoping to have a quick chat with the Toronto Midtown folks yesterday just to get a wee bit of an overview from them of the hotel investigations, but uh, we, we had a bit of a last minute conflict schedule, um, so we'll, we'll get on a call with them and our team over the next wee while to make sure we're making a pro- appropriate progress there and you know, getting the, the hotels narrowed down to various sites and then you know getting the negotiations done and having them signed up as well so that's it from a convention perspective for this week another regular plug for our frequently asked questions document that that we talk about every other week that's on our website anything you need is there for other business for this past week we did indeed hold our first formal NASA executive meeting last Tuesday with almost everyone from the new team able to attend and I have to tell you that in my over nine years on the Nasa executive, that was far and away the best call that we've had as a Nasa executive. It was efficient. It was productive. Some of the ideas that were generated between the entire team was just gold dust. To be dead honest, you know, with every volunteer board that's voted on democratically, it's always a gamble as to who you're going to end up working with and you know if and when you get selected or elected to to serve and and even then if you're friendly and in one way shape or form with with the members of the committee it still doesn't mean that you're actually going to jail as a working team you know in, in terms of work styles and that sort of thing and i know it's early days but with us having the structure in place that we do now with the functional directors responsible for reporting on their own portfolios as they continue to build them out i honestly couldn't be more pleased with where things are at right now than. Add to that, the personalities that we have on the executive now, again, we're off to a great start, um, with there being a breadth of experience, a wealth of enthusiasm and a willingness to listen and learn from each other as well. So I am absolutely thrilled about this. And I promise you, I'm not just saying that. I have a, I, my own personal rejuvenated sense of optimism that we can achieve the NARSA that I have hoped for, for for many a year with this current group and, and lay some solid foundations for future NASA executives and their membership and friends of NASA at large time will tell of course like everything but we could not have gotten off to a better start and this really does bode well for the future for everyone concerned so thanks again to the entire NASA executive for stepping up and in to serve our membership communications some things I wanted to mention on the communication front this past week and once again it's incredibly quiet Uh, overall at at the club which makes this latest section go all the more quickly which might make some people kind of pleased. But firstly I wanted to give you an update on what I know right now in terms of overseas blue noses accessing Ibrox or other grounds in Scotland if and when they visit back home and are travelling to see Rangers. With the introduction of the new vaccination passport at home being confirmed the, the current situation is that you need to provide proof of being double vaccinated or proof, formal proof of exemption from vaccination requirements. Initially, it was reported that they would only be accepted from Scotland, you know, so you could you could travel in and within Scotland and go to the Games in and within Scotland. But today, it was announced that they would accept proof, this proof from anywhere in the UK which is great news. I inquired about this from an overseas and obviously in particular North American standpoint and was told that our vaccination proof should be okay but that the club will provide further clarification on that. So what I do know for absolute certain is that if you're not vaccinated and you can't provide proof of official exemption from vaccination you will not be getting into the stadium. I know that for a fact. So more to follow on that when we know more but if you do have proof of vaccination right now and I know some folks here in my family from, from Calgary here are going back in a few weeks then that should be enough to get them in but this is something I'm going to press the club on to give us a wee bit more of a steer on that so that they don't end up getting to the gate and then having someone there not have a clue what it is they're looking at and, and have some sort of trouble and strife there to, to try and navigate with, try and Take away all the negativity before it even happens. That's what we'll do. So I'll definitely keep the the pressure on on this one and, as I say, provide an update as in when we get it. I also wanted to provide you a, a quick update for... Uh, what friend of NASA and uh, MC for NASA twenty twenty two David Edgar told us on this morning's Heart and Hand Daily Update podcast podcast regarding the Daily Record shambles that exploded a few weeks back. You'll remember I mentioned that on one of the previous prod, uh, pro- prods. <laughs> Pardon, that the Freudian slip. Uh, one of the pre- the previous pods. So David shared that the Daily Record are still investigating the offensive social media posts by their own journalists, and and to date, no public information has been shared as to how the investigation is going or progressing or when it's likely to conclude. The freelance journalists that were involved, the freelance folks, not the staff folks, were immediately let go, my understanding is, and the junior reporters will most likely get a slap on the wrists and and told to to do better in the future. And the more senior folks involved are most likely to be facing more severe sanctions. David then shared what he's he's doing in the background to to ensure this sort of behaviour will at the very least be more carefully thought out by The Daily Record and other tabloids like that in the future, which was described as more behind the scenes with advertisers and their association with the tabloid, and David assures us that is going very well. He left the topic with a very rousing, we don't forgive and we don't forget, which is music to my ears and hopefully something that will resonate with the folks responsible at The Daily Record for many, many years to come hell mend them for opening this little Pandora's box and they're going to get everything that's coming to them. So well done to David for continuing that fight and good luck. And of course, if there's anything else I can do to lend a hand, please, by all means, let us know. Finally, on the communications front, I wanted to congratulate Rangers very own managing director Stuart Robertson in winning the SPFL CEO of the Year Award. How can you win the CEO of the Year if you're not the CEO? I don't get it. But anyway... Uh, the SPFL CEO of the Year award at the Football Business Awards uh, for 2021 last week. Not only are we the champions on the park, we're champions off the park too, so long may that continue. Stuart has been a big supporter of NASA during his tenure with the club, you know, back to 2015, 2016. And especially in the earlier days when we were climbing back up the leagues, he was always on hand to let us know where, if anywhere, NASA could help in our ongoing ascent efforts. And you know I don't hear quite as much from them nowadays, which is is not a bad thing because they now has a proper high-performing team in place to help him manage the business properly from the football side, from the commercial marketing side, from the communications side and the like. But that doesn't mean he doesn't know and appreciate the value of Narsa and I do hope to see him join us in Las Vegas in 2022 to give us an update on how things are progressing at the club and just have a general catch-up. Stuart is always a good time. So congratulations again to Stuart for being the SPFL CEO of the year. That will do it for this week, my friends. As I say every single week, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to listen and please do share it with anyone that you think might enjoy it. And until this time next week, take care of yourself. Here's to two very positive results for a beloved team and I will talk to you then. Take care. All the very best. Cheerio.